Blog Talk Radio. The information discussed during this show is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any condition. If your pet is currently experiencing any medical issues, please seek immediate assistance from a licensed veterinarian. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? I'm so glad you've tuned in. This is Holistic Pet Care with Dr. O'Sullivan, uh, Holistic Veterinary Care and Acupuncture Center in Prescott Valley, Arizona. This morning we have so many things to go over, so if you have a pencil and paper, definitely bring it out. Um, got a, a lovely subject of a very rare illness and our, our wonderful guest who's going to give us all of the information and more than we would ever need to know about myasthenia gravis. To start out our show today, I want to go back to last week and address some of the questions that listeners had uh, posted. Um, I, did a, I did a partial job last week, and I want to be more thorough for everyone. Sandy in Bakersfield had mentioned that she wasn't com- comfortable with the side effects of some prescription medications given to her dog. Her dog is older and has arthritis. So... Uh, at the same time, Carolyn Otis from Las Vegas asked questions about over-the-counter pain meds for humans and side effects and such. Are they safe? So um, here we go. With regard to treating arthritis, treating discomfort, treating um, whether it's overt pain or whatever the reason might be that our four-legged loved ones are uncomfortable, uh, the options that we have that are alternative are vast. We can do acupuncture, which is, of course, one of my faves, trigger point massage, generalized full body massage, hydrotherapy, which is basically whether it's going to be in a warm tank, it's going to be, um, I've used hot tubs, swimming pools, underwater treadmills, all of those things are very, very helpful, just as they are for you and I. There's TENS therapy, transcutaneous electric neurostimulation, Um, That would definitely have to be at a licensed professional. Relaxation therapy, sometimes using box flower essence or other types of homeotherapy and such to just kind of relax the environment. There's a wonderful, wonderful CD out there now called Through a Dog's Ear, and it is music that's used with massage therapy and relaxation therapy by one of the most wonderful ladies I know here in Prescott that does massage And it just honestly works, even if you use it for travel. You know, like let's say your dog or cat doesn't like to go in a car. This CD is just wonderful. Box flower essence are very nice. Chiropractic helps with discomfort. And then, of course, nutritional therapies. We talked about that a little bit last week, and we'll make sure to touch on that topic in the near future. Now, all of these things I mentioned are just humongous topics, humongous subjects. There is one book that I really enjoy and I really trust the information that's in it and it is available for anyone to buy. And then one of the biggest topics that we have in this book, in my practice and in the structure that I believe in are herbal remedies. Herbal remedies, I believe, have to be based on a traditional Chinese medicine diagnosis and be followed up, administered and followed up by a licensed veterinarian who has traditional Chinese medicine training. That being said, the book that you can get that has just, oh, overwhelming amounts of information is called Four Paws, Five Directions. It was written by a veterinarian by the name of Cheryl Schultz, and it really goes over so, so many things for dogs and cats that you can use it as a reference book. I wouldn't recommend reading it like a textbook because the information will just blow your mind. But that might be very helpful to both Sandy, um, Carol, and Otis, and anyone else that's listening that really wants to try to help your loved ones at home with information that's reliable and not just anecdotal things you find on the Internet, which I'm not a big fan of. As for our show today, and in a couple weeks we'll be doing another show called um, Bloat, the Mother of All Emergencies. When we're looking into the science, the Western medicine, the surgery, the diagnostics, the meds, those types of things, there is a website that I do trust that we'll be looking at today as well as in the future. But if you'd like information on Western diagnosis uh, treatments and just general information about things that can happen with our pets, 
Uh, it's called veterinarypartners.com. The information on this website is written by, checked over, um, and um, printed uh, by veterinarians and veterinary technicians, people that are actually in the, pra- in the practice, uh, in the business. So it has wonderful illustrations and uh, medication choices and those kinds of things. These are not a substitute for going to your veterinarian. This is just to self-educate a bit and know what we might be getting into um, for our pets. But generally speaking, they have a vast amount of information that is legitimate with regard to Western medicine. So once again, veterinarypartners.com and Four Paws, Five Directions by Cheryl Schultz. And lastly, with Carolyn Otis's question about can I give my dog over-the-counter meds from, for humans such as Tylenol, my answer is unequivocally no way, no how, never. But I wanted to give you a website for Pet Poison Helpline. Actually, it's www.petpoisonhelpline.com. On that site, they have the top human medications, toxic to pets, which include pain relievers, antidepressants, ADD and ADHD medications, sleep aids, muscle relaxants, and heart medications, amongst many, many others. But this site is, as I said, the Pet Poison Helpline, which you can use as a reference. And if you're ever in a situation where you think your loved one has gotten into a toxin or poison, you have any question whatsoever, you can call that helpline. Their number 855-289-0358. A wonderful reference for reliable information that may help save your pet's life. So that gets us up to speed for today. If you'd like to call in and join the show, the number is 347-215-6138. Okay, with that being done, let's start with today. Today's story is about, um, like I said earlier, love and commitment and frustration and uh Pam Saxon and her lovely, lovely sweetheart dog, Jackie. Jackie, um, after a long um, haul, got diagnosed with this disease, myasthenia gravis. So I'd like to welcome Pam to the show this morning. Are you still there, sweetie? I sure am. Good morning, Uh, Dr. Carolyn. (laughs) Good morning. How are you doing today? We're doing great. Good, good, good. Um, I'd like to ask you if we can start out by uh, telling a little bit of story, introducing Jackie as well as you can, and telling a little bit of a story as to how you got to her current diagnosis of myasthenia gravis, if you don't mind. I sure will. Um, we adopted Jackie and her brother. They're a beagle pit bull mix. They're very, very... Um, great dogs and they were little six seven pound dogs when we got them when jackie was about three and a half she injured her knee she had to have a knee surgery and had the water therapy and she was doing very well with all that but she kept getting infections and so we um finally uh they had to remove the steel plate in her knee and then about a couple months later we noticed that she was having problems walking if she'd get overly tired she would just stop and we just could not figure out what was going on so we had had a couple different uh, diagnoses and and they were um, treating her with medications that maybe were not um, for the disease that she actually ended up having so we were we were referred to Dr. Carolyn and uh, the holistic medicine and uh, she was working at another veterinarian also at that time. And we were so grateful because after all the misdiagnosis, we were so fearful for her because she couldn't even walk. They did a bunch of testing and found out that Jackie had myasthenia gravis and that it's something that she could live with. But we were so scared because she would just flop. She would lay down. She couldn't move. She just would look at you like, please help me. So we we tried everything. We um, we did the acupuncture. We did the massage therapy. We did we called the animal uh, communicator. And when we talked to the animal communicator, um, you know, my husband thought I'd left the planet because uh, <laughs> we were just trying everything because she was just our our baby, and. 
she just said the communicator let me know that Jackie uh, said don't give up, and it was affecting her brother Buddy because he was the baby of the family, and and he couldn't understand why the alpha dog was having problems. Uh, she would, we'd have to take her out in a wagon to even go to the bathroom. About 30, 40 days later, they they got her medication going. Uh, Dr. Carolyn would do the acupuncture. And four years later, she's uh, we moved to Washington State from Las Vegas. They're out chasing squirrels. They chase the eagle. They She brings in a dead rat, which freaks me out. Um, she's just awesome. She gets up on the furniture now. She's just. She's the queen of the home, and she's awesome. And so if anything I can say is just just have a lot of faith, and and they'll let you know what they need. And we're just so grateful that through the chain of command that we found the right doctor, we found the right treatments, and and she's just doing awesome. Uh, that's so I – mean, it's – yeah, <laughs> and so you know Jackie. <laughs> I do, I do. <laughs> I I have many, many, many memories and and stories about her. She's she's a she is a absolute trooper. I mean, absolute trooper. I know that if I went through half of what she went through, um, I might not have had so much faith as she does. So um, let's see here. Um, now uh, we have we have a caller here. Um, has a question for us, okay? And we'll we'll get to that later, but let's put some thought into it, Pam. We have a question. Okay. Do you think the climate change between Las Vegas and Washington State has had any impact on Jackie's progress? That so, was one of my big concerns about moving because extreme heat and extreme cold seems to affect it a little bit, and so we're real cautious with, with her, even in Las Vegas, we were real cautious about her being outside in the extreme heat or extreme cold. Uh, in Washington, there's a lot of humidity and rain. She seems uh-huh. to be doing fine. She walks with uh, my husband a mile and a half every day. They were walking three miles, but now with weather conditions, uh, we've been fortunate enough it hasn't been real cold yet. But she mm-hmm. seems to be adjusting really well, so I'm really thankful that she's adjusted to this climate or we would have had to move back to Las Vegas. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> For Jackie. <laughs> it's all about Jackie. It's all about that. Jackie. <laughs> now, can you, can you um, describe for our listeners how it how the changes in temperature and affected her? Was it her, um, her strength, her appetite, her attitude, her pain level her and what 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 did you see with her when you had extremes in the temperatures uh her appetite's never been away <laughs> <laughs> she Jackie never has an appetite problem she also has thyroid so she's on thyroid medication we'll um yeah yeah uh but she's i just noticed that she when she gets really really hot or really really cold she seems to be a little bit more lethargic, um, mm-hmm. and she just doesn't move as well. But she's also eight years old now, and so she's, you know, sometimes it's, she might be in menopause. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just noticed that when it's really hot or really cold, she just isn't quite as active as as she could be. Okay, and then then that resolves fairly quickly when the temperature kind of normalizes for her. She's great. She's she's, yeah. and the minute he gets the leash out to take them out, uh, she kind of puts aside that she's you know can't move as well. So we just are real careful about you know making sure if she gets tired during the walk to stop and let her just she needs to just take a break and sit for a minute, and then she mm-hmm. gets back up. We really just don't push her. Good, good, good. All right, let's um, let's let's reverse, let's let's rewind a little bit here um, for our listeners. Now, uh, myasthenia gravis is a condition of, well, it's a condition of many things. To simplify it, um, the reason that our muscles work, the reason that we can move, the reason that we are able to do the things that we love to do is because our nerves send signals to our muscles. And these signals are chemicals. 
and these chemicals get sent by the nerves to the muscles, and they stay there for a little while, these little receptors, and then they get washed away so that they don't overstimulate the muscles. So there's this constant, constant um, dance of nerves sending signals, chemicals, to the muscles, and then being washed away and more signal coming. That's why we can move quickly or move strongly and then slow down and relax and um, stop moving. And those make because these nerves and the chemical signals that come out, acetylcholine in this case, um, are regulated by other mm, uh, molecules that wash them away. Now, in myasthenia gravis, it's, it's much more complicated than that, but in that case, the muscles, head that receive these chemical signals might be damaged. Or the, the other chemical that washes away the acetylcholine signaling might be working too quickly. There are many, many things that might happen, but basically the nerve sends a chemical to the muscle. And for some reason, the muscle either doesn't get that signal, doesn't respond to that signal, or those signaling chemicals get washed away too quickly to work. So we have these nerves that are telling us stand up, walk, move, run, sit, all these types of things that our brain wants us to do. And our muscles simply can't respond. Um, Pam, does that, that sound pretty fair? To oh, yes. And what it's... happened to baby Jackie there? Yes, and it just breaks your heart because she can look at you. She knows what she wanted to do at that time, and she would just lay there and just flop and just and she couldn't walk, and it it would just break your heart. And describe, describe for the audience how Jackie's what was Jackie's presentation when she came to the hospital? I was working at. Do you remember? She was on a gurney. I had taken her to three different places and they kept telling me to go to the referral go to the referral center and at the referral center the reason that we're so grateful for that is that's who the girl in the referral center is the reason we found Dr. Carolyn and Dr. Uh, Wickstead and between the two of them they said oh my gosh it's got to be myasthenia gravis and when you did the test (laughs) you know it was like that's a very simplified it was, but it was just it was it was ringing to my ears, you know. Oh, thank God, she's got myasthenia gravis. At least we know what she's got, and we can move forward. Because um, I was on the floor in the back with Jackie on a blanket, thinking this was not going to work. And and she ended up four years later. I have to put towels on my couches because she's up on the <laughs> furniture. You know, it's just a, it's a miracle. Between prayer and you and Dr. Wick said, I can never be grateful enough. Oh, well, that, that, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I really appreciate that. Um, that. The thing with Jackie, as Pamela said, that when she presented, she was, um, um, it was called laterally recumbent. She was on her side and bright and alert in her head and her brain. And her physical exam, it was quite nice. You know, heart's good, lungs good, everything good. She just literally could not get up. Even her blood work was normal. Um, mm-hmm. And then <laughs> the Jackie and Pamela showed up at the hospital with a with a folder of uh, Jackie's records that I'm not exaggerating when I say it was two inches thick. Am I? No, you're not exaggerating. <laughs> so, so we um, so. All of the testing that had been done on her eliminated many, many things. And one of the doctors at this wonderful practice I used to work at just said, what about MG? I'm like, what? And they said, my opinion. I'm like, oh, really? And uh, in during my education at Purdue, we learned about myasthenia gravis as being something that is so dynamic and so not necessarily a rare diagnosis, but a tough one. And the way you test for it is equally as exciting and rare and um, dynamic. So um, the, you can do blood work and test for MG antibodies, and it takes a while. But we weren't willing to have her laying on the ground any any longer. You know, So the way you test for myasthenia, or one of the options for testing, is something called a tensilon test. And it is a, it's a drug that you give to the patients, and it works 
to counteract the problem where those nerves and the muscles come together. And what will happen if they've got myasthenia is that they will get up and they'll walk away or they'll get up and they'll <laughs> run away. It only, la- it only lasts for a very, very short period of time. I'm talking 30 seconds maybe. And, but literally you have a dog or not, I can't speak about human medicine, but a dog that is down on its side, unable to respond to anything physically. Um, well, I mean with their muscles, I'm sorry. And you give them this medic, you give them this drug, and they get up and they walk away. And it, <laughs> it, it honestly is like a miracle. I mean, it, honestly, people who watch it cry. I mean, it's like, oh, okay, okay, we got it, we got it, we got it. And then they go down. I mean, because it only lasts for a very short period of time. So it's honestly a miracle. I mean, on that, if um, if you've ever witnessed it and you see these guys just laying there and you give them a drug and you, you're literally watching your watching your clock going, okay, 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 they get up and they walk away. Now, this is what Jackie did. And uh, I must say, everybody in that hospital, this is a huge 12-doctor practice, everyone that was there that day, I think half of them were crying, half of them had pictures of it on their cell phone, and nobody stopped talking about it. And... Um, and she and, uh, made sure it, in that 30 seconds she said hello to everybody. She did. She did. <laughs> uh, she said, uh, so that, um, it, it changed everything for everyone involved in Jackie's life and her treatment. So um, at that point, many things go along with myasthenia gravis. One of them is making sure that you test these animals for hypothyroidism. It's low thyroid function. It's our thyroid glands that live in our neck here are responsible for making thyroxin and responsible for so many things, our immune system, our endocrine system, our adrenal system, helping to modulate all these things. Our appetite, our digestion, our weight gain, which we, we've all had some experience with. <laughs> um, and then with myasthenia as well, the muscles in our esophagus, the tube that moves food from our mouth to our stomach, also get weak. Now, that can cause some problems with regurgitation. You know, so the tube that's supposed to close off when we eat something, it goes down, it allows food to go into our stomachs and closes off. That way nothing can regurgitate up into our esophagus. People get gastroesophageal reflux disease. Third, it's when acid comes up when it's not supposed to. It hurts. It's acid. It's burned. So with myasthenia and the weakness in our muscles, the muscles in our esophagus also get weak. So um, that pretty much, if I'm not mistaken, describes the kind of triad of issues that we had to diagnose and deal with with Jackie. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah. And um, she she has no problems at all. She used to have that you know, a little bit of the problem with that. And she, she's actually, if you were to see Jackie right now, you would think she there is absolutely nothing wrong with her at all because she is just the happiest, healthiest dog. Um, she's great. We just keep her on her medication. Um, uh-huh. I try and control her weight, which is kind of hard because <laughs> she loves to eat and beg, and I'm a sucker with that. But... Um, she's she's just really good and and loves to exercise and she just loves life. How how long before she got diagnosed that glorious day when that Tenslon test? I mean that Tenslon test was just oh I hear the angels singing when that when that day that happened. Oh me too. And how how long before the diagnosis? Let's say. Was she struggling with physical problems, be it her knees or her ability to move around or her weight or regurgitating foods and those types of things? Well, she had the knee surgery, and then she seemed to do very well with the knee surgery. And so I would say um, she had no problems with strength at all, you know, after the knee surgery. So I would say it was probably a year maybe after her knee surgery because uh-huh. she did the water therapy and she was the star of the show at the referral center. <laughs> they still have her picture there in the front office because she was just she's just a everybody loves Jackie, and um, 
So I would say probably a year after her surgery that when we started noticing she would go down, and at that time they thought she had spinal bifida. They they treated her with steroids. They this was a different hospital, and then we just you know we kept going to to see if we could find some other um, treatment and see another. Uh, form of finding out what was wrong because it wasn't getting any better. It was getting worse. So probably three weeks before we met you was where um, the very last treatment that she had at a different hospital, Uh she was going downhill. And that's when the day I came into Craig Road, she had been to three different places on gurneys, and they were anxiously trying to help me get her fixed. And that's how we found Dr. Carolyn and Dr. Wickstead. Um, so she, so she had been her her inability to get up and her muscle strength that came on fairly rapidly. Is that correct? Yes. And she did, yes. she did her knee, and that was one thing. That's not, that's not it's not isolated because nothing nothing is, happens in a vacuum. It's not isolated, but that was one issue. Then, but during that period of time, she had. No, she didn't have the infections uh, at that time. She gets uh, muscle weakness, and that proceeds quite rapidly and ends mm-hmm. up with her going on a gurney. Now, that period of time, the first period when you re- realize that she might be a little bit tired or she might be a little bit weak to the day you show, the day we tend for and test her, how long would you say that was? A couple months, a couple weeks, uh, a couple days? I'd say a couple weeks. A couple weeks, okay. A couple so, weeks. And so we have this we have this wonderful strong dog that has a wonderful life, wonderful family, the best medical care, the best food, the best everything. Goes and goes to the best referral hospital, you know, that we you can find. He has the surgery, recovers nicely, gets all of her follow-up treatment and chugging along, doing great. And then within weeks her her process, her condition literally took her off of her feet. Is that a fair statement? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so the progression of this condition, myasthenia gravis, is can be very rapid, very, I uh, don't want to put words in your mouth, so you need to you just chime in here, but scary, frustrating, saddening. Frustrating more than anything because if because at the now looking back, some of the medications that were being prescribed to her were causing Uh it even more grief because it was a misdiagnosis, which can happen. That's, you know, I mean, that's, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. It's just that we were so um, concerned because she did go from this healthy girl, even after her knee surgery, she was in the water treatment tank and she was doing awesome and, and then to go to where she can't even walk and we'd have to put her in a wagon to take her outside. We're talking about a 60-pound healthy dog. And right. um, so now she's, you know, she's where she can't even lift her head and she's salivating and regurgitating yeah. and and um, but still wanting to eat and still wanting to look at you. And so she's, it's just such a, such a great um, memory to remember the day when she did get that shot and we figured out <laughs> what it was and, and knew we could move forward and and not look back. Right, right. Now, that being said, um, you just kind of, you just kind of set yourself up there, Pamela, because the not looking back to you, as I, as I recollect, but, um, and this is this is a true answer for all management of myasthenia gravis and many of the things that go along with it. She ended up getting on her medications for myasthenia. She mm-hmm. ends up getting on her medications for low thyroid. And then mm-hmm. she ends up getting on medication for her regurgitating acid and those types of things. Um, the management and the fine-tuning, for lack of a better <laughs> better recommendation, mm-hmm. of her medications for myasthenia gravis, as I recall, were a challenge. And yes. um, Can you describe a little bit of that? And let's start with... You just said that she was drooling and you know, salivating, those types of things. That was a sign of her inability of the muscles of her esophagus to work and to move things from her mouth to her stomach and keep them from coming up, just this kind of ongoing weakness of mm-hmm. her 
you know, her esophagus and those things, and that had gotten to a point where it was quite troublesome, not only for her just laying there and being unable to swallow, but also regurging things up, whether it's acid and such. So can you um, can you go over for our listening audience um, how you recall the fine-tuning, dosing, managing of her myasthenia medications? Cause, sure, uh, the pyrostigamine or what the, uh, that's, the that's one medication. <laughs> I can't ever pronounce it. I call it her pyromedicine. Um, she was taking one and a quarter tablets or one and a half tablets. She's down to one tablet a day, half in the morning, half at night, and she's been taking that faithfully for the last, I would say, at least two years, you know, right. the reduced dosage, because it took a little while to get the, like you said, the fine-tuning she still takes the two thyroid medications, and they do blood work for the thyroid, and it's uh-huh. consistent. And um, and what is ironic is when we brought her to Gig Harbor, uh, the doctor, I brought in the stack of three inches of paperwork <laughs> and just said, I don't want anything changed. She's right. good. I, I just... And this was the first year she was able to even get a rabies shot since we do live kind of out in the woods beach area. Um, we felt that the, we made sure and called you um, to make sure it was okay to give her the vaccinations because she even hadn't had vaccinations because we didn't want to have any problems with her. Right, and, and that's, that's, a really, that, that's such a good point. That is such a good point. I'm so glad you brought that up because the – Myasthenia gravis is considered to be an autoimmune disease, meaning that it's your body basically attacking itself. So right. we don't like to overstimulate the immune system or add anything into the mix. And vaccines are a huge question, aren't they? I mean, we are not going to vaccinate animals that have myasthenia um, unless there is an extreme overriding reason that they need to get vaccinated. And in your case... Okay, sure. You're living out in the woods, and that right. As long as all parties involved in her treatment and her management um, have got put in their two cents, and the people that have touched her, diagnosed her, done physicals with her, seen her progress, seen her records, those types of things, so that we make sure above and beyond all things to first do no harm. You know, right. so um, that that's. Uh, so so important, especially. And that's what I we made sure. That's what we made sure. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. Um, no, we made sure to to we trust, you know, your diagnosis because you're the one that diagnosed her. So we always refer back to you because not that we don't trust any other doctors here, but you're familiar with her <laughs> her case. And we and in Las Vegas, she was in her own backyard. No right. outside animals when we'd take her to the vet. We made sure, you know, it was, or the vet would come to our house. Um, so she right. wasn't exposed to anything. We're here, you know, she is more exposed. And so she's been so healthy that it was a risk we took, and, and it seemed to be okay because she, she's doing great. That's great, great news. Now, uh, if you can if you can think back to the pieces that went into managing her after she got her you know, proper diagnosis. And as I recall, well, on, on my memory is we did food management, we did massage therapy, we did at-home acupuncture, a lot of client education, um, and uh, a lot of, one of the last things I remember is going swimming with her yeah, it's when oh. the weather was right. So <laughs> she would go swimming whether the weather was right or not. She thought she was a polar bear. Um, we'd have to make sure she just wouldn't go get in the pool because she yeah. was feeling so good. But when she was not well, she knew not to get near the pool. Um, and plus, we made sure we watched her every minute. But um, she loves to swim. She loves to just play and run and. And the the main thing was she kept getting infections from the knee surgery. So when they uh-huh. removed that plate from her knee, she's had no issues with seepage or with infection since that time. Um, her myasthenia medicine is just the same, and she's just great. Yeah, and the the having having a low thyroid function, you know, having hypothyroidism as a standalone condition 
or in conjunction with a, a condition like myasthenia or in conjunction with anything else. It is not helpful to your immune system, right? Because your right. your body's ability to fight infection, your body's ability to resist infection, your body's ability to do many of the other things has been retarded, has been um, depressed because of your low thyroid function. And being on supplements is fantastic, but we can only imagine how much work her body was doing every day. She's mm-hmm. dealing with an autoimmune disease. She's dealing with a low thyroid function. She's dealing with, you know, titanium plates in her knees. She's dealing with, you know, uh, many things where her body's trying to regenerate, trying to rejuvenate, trying to get back to the dog she used to be after being deficient for quite some time. And then she gets, you know, a plate infection, so her body's dealing with this ongoing chronic, you know, stimulus when she's got an autoimmune disease. So she's she was working so hard on so many fronts, you know, uh, and around her body. And she just, she did miraculously well. Um, and seeing as how she's bringing in dead rats now, I think she's turned into a major <laughs> hunter. I like it. Beagle and her doing great work. Uh, when Jackie was, Jackie spent most of her time at home, as I recall, and um, we would do at-home acupuncture treatments on her, and I remember dosing out um, appropriate herbals for myasthenia and appropriate herbals for hypothyroidism so that we could enhance her body's healing so that we could do work to help her help herself. Do you recall those sessions? Yes, I do, because we we did acupuncture sometimes three to four times a week. A week, that's right. That's you right. know, just because we because she was she was um uh, uh, I can't think of the word, but she was adjusting to it, and so it was she every time she'd have a treatment she she would just seem to be getting better, you know she would be tired after the treatment, but then she was great the next day, so there were times I think we did that three three or four times a week sometimes, yeah, 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 so with acupuncture, even in the healthiest of states. Um, our body gets used to the movement of chi, the movement of energy, the you know, dissolution of stagnation or, you know, sending energy and helping out different organs, whatever it is that you're doing for your friend. But with a creature that is really deficient, I mean, her energy, her resources, her everything that she's been putting into just staying here with us, it's considered a deficiency, right? Would you agree with that? She didn't have a lot of resources left, you know, to to fight her fight when we finally got her. No, fight, she, no, she was, yeah, it, it was just, it was to the point where we were afraid of, you know, losing her. And um, I'm just so grateful that that there was just, it just wasn't meant to be. And just a look in her eye and she'd look at you and you'd know that she was, trying to communicate with you and let you know she was not ready to give up. Yeah, and that that's so important, right? It was her it was her it was her her communication with you was um quite uh, quite impressive in your guys' case. <laughs> well just to give a just to give a little example of Jackie, she's such a she's such a delight that even at night when you go in to brush your teeth, she's right there because she wants her teeth brushed at night. So <laughs> she's she's just she's just a unique girl and she's um people probably get tired of me bragging about her because she is just such a unique little spirit but she's just got a personality that's unbelievable that you know she just remembers to come get her teeth brushed you know <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure. I'm sure there are many listeners out there right now going, "Your dog lets you brush their teeth." I mean, above yeah. everything else that we're talking about, they're like, "Are you serious? Your dog lets you do that?" And like, volunteers yeah. because that's uh, <laughs> quite quite a thing, right? Um, it is. <laughs> now, with regard to uh, Jackie's post-diagnosis treatment, sounds so Western. Um, we. We all, I, I believe that we all sat down as a group, um, yourself, your husband, both both the dogs, and talked about what we were looking at in the future and what our hopes were and that her recovery, if I may be so bold, was 
set out as a process, not a pill. You know, right. it's, it's like this is going to be a this is going to be a haul. This is going to be everybody has to be involved all the time, and that any minor changes in her personality, her health, her this or that, we, everybody in the group needs to know about it. Um, yes. And that with regard to the, the aspects of things that I try to use in my practice every day, food therapy, massage therapy, acupuncture, herbals, appropriate Western medication to deal with the appropriate, correct Western diagnosis. So your story, and I'd like you to kind of elaborate if you can, about being the perfect example of the marriage between Western medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, with a kind of a holistic whole dog from the ground up thought process to get her where she is today. Can you address that for us? Oh, I agree because um, I know that if she wouldn't have had the right diagnosis to begin with and she would have been continuing taking the wrong Western medications, um, she would not be here. Uh, And it would have been painful for her because she, she just had a lot of side effects. But by getting the right diagnosis, the right amounts of medication, the massage, the acupuncture, I think there was times you did the electrical stimulus on her, um, uh-huh. exercise. There was laser, low-level low, low laser therapy. That you laser, there, low yes, laser. yes. There was so much I forget. And mainly <laughs> the love the love that she received, the prayer that she received. I mean, there's just, if it all wasn't together, fitting it just all fit like a glove because now we just I still panic if she starts acting funny or if she doesn't get up or if she's panting or I still uh-huh. Uh-huh. you just can't help remembering the day I was on the floor with her in the back room, you know, thinking of alternative uh decisions I might have to make that day. Um that never leaves you, but yet you just Every day when you see her watching the TV or, you know, running around chasing her brother or whatever, she you're just so grateful. But if she starts having any signs of anything, I make sure when she goes for a walk, I ask my husband to make sure, are you sure she did okay? She's not slowing down. She's not, because when she gets tired, she sits. She just knows her body. She's right. She knows right. when it's enough, and and I just make sure that, you know, we don't push her, you know, and she's just awesome. And if it wasn't between all of it, uh, just a connection, um, we wouldn't have Jackie. Yeah, and I, I, couldn't agree, I couldn't agree with you more. I, and I have to salute you and your whole family for persevering, never giving up. That was never one of the biggest up, things, yeah. never, ever give up. And that uh, in conjunction with, you know, pain management and first do no harm. We want our quality of life to be as as top shelf as it can be every minute because I know that you are on her constantly, you know, with regard to her bedding or her this or her blankie or her food or her water or her, you know, those types of things. And then being in mm, direct conversation with all medical professionals, including, you know, I did believe it's um, Jan, our wonderful massage therapist coming yeah. to your house acupuncture at the house and changing their food all the time. And then if you could address for us her relationship with her brother. And this this was one of the things that <laughs> never, never, never left me. And if, if you, do you recall the conversation with your animal communicator when Buddy yes, chimed in? Yes, and uh, when my husband thought I left the planet. Yeah, um, but you were not well, complete, completely a wacker view. I understand completely. But, if <laughs> but you, Buddy you, went... Buddy was pretty traumatized by Jackie because he was the baby of the litter and she was the firstborn of the litter. So she was always the alpha dog. And and so Buddy always kind of followed in her, you know, Buddy is a little more hyper. He's more beagle. And um, she he was just traumatized because he couldn't understand why his sister, you know, had these issues. And even to this day... <laughs> A couple months ago, she had a hematoma on her ear, and she had to wear a cone for six weeks. Well, he wouldn't even go near her. He growled at her, He and they have to sleep in real confined quarters in this house, and they he would not go near her. And it was hurting her feelings because here's, you know, her brother, and he, he just couldn't handle it. But yet 
when he had the cone and he had a cast on, she was right there for him. So um, they're just really unique in their own little personalities. And Buddy, uh, the communicator, told me that he likes his name, and which we know he does because he likes to get yelled at because he loves to beagle bark all the time. And But they're just um, they're unique personalities. We're grateful that he didn't end up having... Uh, the kind of same disease that Jackie has. We still uh-huh. will never know how she got it. Um, but, you know, being in the same litter, um, we're just grateful that he's he has different health issues than she does that his are pretty normal <laughs> old aging one. <laughs> right. He can't Don't even jump on the chair anymore, and yet Jackie's the myasthenia patient, and she jumps on the chair, but he can't even jump on the chair because of his little hip. So, right, um, right, right. You know, but they're both doing great adjusting to Washington. Um, you know, they they're just they just are glad to be with us. Yeah. Now, now your your relationship, your your human animal bond, your relationship with um, Jackie and all the medical professions and uh, professionals and all of the trips and such. I would imagine that that was a strain, uh, to maybe say the least, on not only you know just stress in general, but sometimes in human relationships, when we go through such a stress and a strain and unknown, it's um, you know it's um, much like bringing your child to go to an oncologist or you know something like that. Just so stressful, so much waiting, so much putting your love and trust in the hands of strangers. Can you help our listening audience um, maybe relate? To the amount of um, trauma is a bad word, right? It's just stress, isn't it? And that how you and your family, your human family, made it through, and what you guys did to support each other. Because I know, I know, as being a doctor, but also a patient, you know, a, a mom, a dog mom, a cat mom, a horse mom, that ugh, sometimes it's really hard to hold it together and just. It was. It was. It was a really tough period. Um, we. Uh, I have a lot of faith. I know that um, that's what gets you through it, and you just have to still move forward and know that you're doing the right thing. I think Jackie would have let me know if if it was not what she wanted because they can still kind of communicate through you whether you're just wasting your time or, you know, if she would have, let me put it this way, if she would have continued where she was just going to be in that immobilized state, that to me would have been, more um, cruel to her to have her, you know, because my husband would even try to take Buddy for a walk and she would look at him. We'd get a wagon so she could ride along in the wagon and you could just see her heart broken because she wanted to walk. So he even quit walking Buddy because he didn't want to make Jackie, her feelings, get hurt. And so until she got better, Buddy kind of had to suck it up and kind of, not be able to do the things he was used to doing right in front of Jackie. We would maybe sneak him out once in a while just so that it wouldn't make her feel bad, or I'd sit and hold her so that right. Don could take Jet Buddy out because we didn't want to traumatize her any more than than she had to be, but we also didn't want to neglect Buddy because he was going through it with us, you know, being sure, sure, right. her sure, sister, right. his sister. No, that that was so so intuitive and so in tune with you for you guys to take care of the whole family, you know, the whole right. two-legged and four-legged family in this time, and and not knowing where it was going to go, and not knowing, you know, how long this was going to last, but making sure that everybody's emotional and spiritual and physiological and physical states were attended to. Now we've gotten a, a question from one of our listeners: um, Was the acupuncture a treatment for a period of time, or has it become a necessary? ongoing routine for Jackie. Now, I can answer the first part, and then uh, Pamela can answer the second part. With regard to um, uh, Jackie's mm, physical, medical state after her diagnosis, as I mentioned before, she was very deficient. She, Her body was just really um, not wiped out, but just had been used up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So the acupuncture treatments were done to try to fortify her, to try and um, minimize her um, the traditional Chinese medicine diagnosis of heat and those types of things, but she would be different every time I touched her. You know, where was mm-hmm. she warm? Where was she sensitive? What was she doing today? 
Was she mm-hmm. regurging? Was she having difficulty? Was she this? And that the, the needling was different every time I went there based on what her needs were that day. And mm-hmm. the the spacing of her treatments went that way as well. You never want to over-treat them, over-stimulate them, get too much moving at one time, or to make them tired after a treatment over and over and over. You have to give them time to recover. So mm-hmm. in Jackie's case, as I recall, we would try to set her up for twice a week. But if she needed something, if I do remember a day she was on the couch shaking, 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 I mean, she had full body tremors that I actually sat there, I think, watching football with your family, and I did work on her for, I think, two, two and a half hours before she actually mm-hmm. stopped trembling. So, yeah. um, so hers was very, very situational. And towards, with her recovery came much less needling, much less needling. Oh, yes. We had, no, we had really worked to normalize things. So where, yeah. where is she at now? Um, well, she she didn't need any um, acupuncture for the last probably six months before we moved. Right, um, right. It got down to like maybe we'd have you come once a month, if that, yeah. toward right, the right. end. Um, and and right now, if she was in need of that, I would seek it out here. But I would say for the last uh, at least year and a half, she hasn't had any signs of anything um, right. different. And That's and so we happened. weaned her off of that too because, like you said, you did hers was isolated. Hers was, um, you know, we treated her as she needed it, and mm-hmm. we did. Mm-hmm. You know, there were times that she would go two weeks, and then she'd need two treatments, or she'd go a month, and then, you know, she'd be fine. So um, it just it got to the point where she didn't need the acupuncture. Right, and it, it, my recollection with her is that, and it's important for all. Preachers getting acupuncture or getting needle or doing a holistic route is that you you accept the fact that even after the mm, the crisis or the acute phase or the high maintenance phase of things, you may need what I call tune-ups. You know, you might right. need to get tuned up every once in a while. You might. And at the end of my relationship with needles with Jackie, we were definitely in the tune-up phase. She was swimming and eating and running around and being a silly dog. <laughs> yeah. and and then she she looked at me when I walked in the door and going, yeah, I don't need those things, thank you. And she would just walk yeah. away, or she would go away underneath the bed. I'm like, really, seriously? Yeah. So I would go and I'd get with her, do what I do, tongue, pulse, points, and then ask you a thousand questions as I usually do. And then if she could benefit from it that day, or if she could benefit from that situation without having any reversal of her joy, reversal of her forward progress. Then we would just sit and have dinner together, right? Margaritas, yeah. <laughs> but if she ever showed a sign, she ever took a step backwards, she ever made you question, like, uh, she's a little off today. Then of course we got together and did it. And yes. it's a very, it's um, it's an um, involved relationship in a wonderful, wonderful way. But with regard to answering the question, just like. Any other situation, the acupuncture treatments for Jackie were very customized, very individuated, very appropriate for her needs. And for Jackie, she was um, she was a everyday dog. It wasn't like yes. you can talk to you in a week or two weeks. We were on the phone or texting or emailing or something every day. Like, how is she doing mm-hmm. today or what is she doing? Because all I can do is speak for myself. I felt like we were going down the right road with her. And every once in a while, three steps forward, one step back. That mm-hmm. was not only modulating her myasthenia gravis medication, but the other things going on in her life. And as her body healed, every once in a while, you'd run across a bump in the road. And some of those were scary, as I recall. I mean, mm-hmm. as I recall. But um, right now, she's at the point where she doesn't need that. She has fresh air. She has exercise. She has sunshine. And she's where she like, gets to be a dog, right? She, gets she to does. Be a dog. She Yeah, she gets to be a dog, and she's she just she's just healthy. She's I'm just grateful that she's so healthy and and I like I would say to anybody that has to go through something like this, just keep positive, just keep you just you kind of know um you have to trust your professionals and if you don't think that the one has the right answers, don't hesitate to to seek out another um another opinion because that's what we ended up having to do three and four times till we finally got 
to the right opinion and the right treatment, and we're just forever grateful for that. That that's that's such that's such amazing advice because a lot of people. Um, we've got about five more minutes here. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, okay? Um, sometimes people get kind of white coat paralysis, right? You go in, mm-hmm. you talk to a doctor, a doctor says ABC, and that you believe ABC, and not not that that's a bad thing, but as as you know, unfortunately, as, as you know, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, yeah, you got to self-educate. You got to ask questions, and that that's how our relationship grows. Is that if you have doubts, you have questions. You're the one that knows your best friend better than anybody on this planet. So you need to ask the questions, and you got to feel it. If it feels right, right um, then that's fantastic. If it doesn't feel right, say thank you very much. And go someplace else. You know, find it. And that's exactly because we. I know that these other doctors loved her also, but they Uh just they didn't maybe have the experience, or maybe I know that part of it is they weren't open minded to the acupuncture and to the other treatments that go along with the Western medicine, and that's where you have to be able to have an open mind. To you know, there's a lot of people that say you did what. You did what? And I'm thinking, <laughs> you can think I'm crazy all I all you want. It worked. It it saved my dog and my girl, and, you know, it, she's better off for that. And yeah. I would, I'm just, I can't say enough about it. Well, Pam, we have a caller that, uh, that wants to know, is there any advice you can give listeners who want to find a holistic vet near them so they can make sure they find a good one? My answer to that question is, um, the, the school that I went to, the International Veterinary Acupuncture Society, um, is online. It is a clearinghouse for uh, educated, licensed uh, traditional Chinese medicine practitioners who, of course, have their veterinary medical degrees. So IVAS, I-V-A-S dot com. Go on there, put in your area, your, I guess it's your area code or where you live or where you're looking, and they'll drop down a whole list for you of holistic practitioners. There's also the Holistic Medical um, Veterinary Association. has a great website, and they can tell you. Um, sometimes in your phone book, that's fine. My only um, concern with those, sometimes you'll have somebody that says that they do massage, or they do this, or they do herbs, or they do that. And that's great that they're interested in that, but unless you're a licensed veterinary medical doctor and you have a DVM and you've had extra training, you know, and you know veterinary medicine and you've got something else going on with your herbals and your massage and your laser and your needles, then I would err on the side of caution, stick with the vets that have extra training, IVAS, I-V-A-S, and the Holistic Veterinary Medical Association, they'll have a wonderful list for you. I agree with you on that because, yes, because I was going to add to that. Um, I agree that with you, you had the the Western and the holistic. And Mm -hmm. also, Mm -hmm. I think that when your dog, when you take your dog into the vet and you see how the vet looks at your dog, I Uh still truly feel if there's a connection there, then you're at the right place. If right your on. dog I, I is fearful it. or if your dog is, I mean, my my buddy's afraid of every vet, but <laughs> you can still tell that when there's like a connection or a true concern. When I brought Jackie in on a gurney um, to three different hospitals, I had wonderful vets that said, we can't help her, but we know where to send her. We can't help yeah. her, but let's get her. She had so many people. I had two different vets give me their personal cell numbers because they wanted to know how she was doing. That's how right on, she yeah. affected people. So right. you just kind of go by your gut. Yeah, well, thank you. listen, you you have given so much wonderful information today, Pam. I can't I can't thank you enough. She, uh, it's a it's a it's a love story. It's a story of commitment and success. You know, it's a well, love story. Well, you loved story. my Jackie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I want I want to I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today, and then I hope that you'll revisit it sometime and tell us how things work out at Skin Harbor because I'm actually quite jealous. <laughs> uh, now we have we have just one we have one short minute left here, and I want to um, strongly strongly advise anyone who's listening 
to call in with your questions because we'll answer them for you and maybe help you in a personal situation with your four-legged fuzzies. Um, Pam, thank you so much for calling. And is there something you'd like to tell our listeners in the last minute that we have together with regard to your whole experience with this amazing mystery disease? That it's that it's the that it can go away. It can be you can still have. They can have such a quality of life. Just keep going forward and just keep having faith. And your your animals will let you know um, kind of what they need. They you just have to listen to them and love them all you can. Okay, and our final note here is there's an email if you, you're, the listeners are listening via podcast where they can send in some questions. Uh, or you can listen, it's listeners at sylviaglobal.com. So maybe that will give other people an easy way to join us. But I want to thank all of our listeners and definitely thank Pam and Jackie and Buddy for being with us today. This has been a wonderful, informative show, and I couldn't have done it without you. Oh, thank you, Carolyn, and we miss you, and I'll send pictures. Oh, I would really appreciate that. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again. I miss you guys. We miss you, too.